attention, please. This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive 3 until 6 p.m. weekdays on the Sports Hub. I love it. It's brilliant. We're at Kickback Jacks on New Garden Road in Greensboro. And this is the third time we've done a show like this from here, I think. Usually my tact has been to try and do the show as if we're in the studio, come out with a bold take such as, the Lakers are a mess, and Magic Johnson should be ashamed of himself. But that usually leads to a bunch of confused patrons staring at me, wondering what the bleep we're doing. It's kind of like when somebody's hosting the Oscars, you know, back when they had a host. Should the person on that stage be trying to play to the crowd in that room or the millions watching on TV? In my case being here at Kickback Jacks, should I do a segment like like normal, such as uh, talking about Magic Johnson or sports, or should I ask a question like, let's talk about tipping? How big of a jerk are you? By the way, Des, how much do you tip? Um, I'm a very good tipper because I've worked for tips in the past, so I kind of understand it. I usually tip over 20% no matter what. Over 20%? Yeah, man, the Look struggle's real. Yeah, Big time. See, my policy generally is just pick a number. Make sure it's higher than 15%. Pick a number and don't do the thing where you're trying to calculate exactly and your number varies based on how somebody does that specific day. But maybe we could get to that at a later time. Desmond Johnson is back in our studio producing today's show and taking your calls at 336-777-1600. We've got an enormous show lined up for you today. In less than 30 minutes, new Appalachian State football coach Eli Drinkwitz and Mountaineer AD Doug Gillen will be here. UNC Greensboro head coach Wes Miller will drop by later as well, as will Tar Heel reporter with Inside Carolina Ross Martin. But I do want to talk about that Magic Johnson guy. Last night was surprising to me, but also very telling too. The news wasn't surprising, but I couldn't believe the manner he handled stepping down as the Lakers president of uh, basketball operations. The way I could put it that might be best understood is this. The job of being Magic Johnson, being a celebrity of his nature, a celebrity that could be recognized all across the world as one of the biggest stars all time and one of the most popular sports in this country. It's a lot better job than being the team president of the Los Angeles Lakers. In other words, being the Lakers team president was a demotion from the job of being Magic Johnson. It was so unprofessional how he stepped down, but it was so magic. I, I didn't really understand why he had to go about it that way. Remember, he's the same guy who once quit as the Lakers coach after, I think, about 16 games once upon a time. He had a TV show that didn't work out that well either. But he continues to get these opportunities because, again, he's Magic Bleeping Johnson. This is the same guy who didn't understand the tampering rules until he stepped over the line on Jimmy Kimmel. This is a guy who got completely duped by the New Orleans Pelicans trying to acquire Anthony Davis. Now, I'm not a Los Angeles Lakers fan. Dez is, and there's probably a lot of you out here. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the subject, and you can chime in at Sports Hub Triad on Twitter. But what stood out to me and made me laugh watching the, the uh, press conference from last night most, the caricature that we all created for Magic Johnson turns out to be exactly who he is. We all pictured him as being this guy who is 
wanting to have fun all the time, and he just wants to be a celebrity and just wants to tweet. And that turns out to be, to a T, who Magic Johnson is. It was the most uh, incredible admission in that press conference that he felt badly that he can't tweet out congratulations to Russell Westbrook for a, a triple 20, 2020 that he had a couple weeks ago without getting ridiculed by fans saying that he's tampering. He wants to go back to being an awful follow on Twitter. That's the other irony of it. As much as he likes tweeting, he's not any good at it. But I'm not a Laker fan. Des, can you at least concede that Magic Johnson, awful follow on Twitter, never has said an interesting thing? He's not very good uh, with the tweets or whatnot. But uh, when I heard this last night, what was going on, I was kind of thinking he might do this in the summer. I didn't expect it to happen where it did you know, right before <laughs> the end of uh, the regular season, for the, like right before they're about to play a game. Um, but to put it in perspective, I just went to go look up how much Magic Johnson's net worth is. You want to take a guess for how much money he's worth in 2019? Oh, it's got to be hundreds of millions. $650 million. He didn't need this job. Like, he never really needed it. And I think he's he kind of realizing but that. He know? thought it was going to be all fun, rainbows and roses. Yeah. He thought, I'm going to get LeBron James, which means... I don't have to fire anybody. It's going to be great. I'm going to sit back, and it's going to be just the most luxurious life. I get to smile, have fun, and be Magic Johnson. They're in a but <laughs> this year, it, it, it's all falling apart for the Lakers. He, he, everyone's wanting him to fire somebody, wants to, him to get rid of Luke Walton. They want Rob Palenka gone. According to reports, Rob Palenka is going to stay. Now the, the Buss family's getting criticism, again, with Jeannie Buss, who we didn't tell he was stepping down. Magic Johnson, he just wanted the title of being team president of the Lakers and wanted to recruit players to play for the Lakers. The only thing is... He could have recruited people to come to Los Angeles and play for the Lakers without that title. Exactly. He could have just been Magic Johnson yep. and done all the things that he wanted to do without being team president of the Lakers. I think that's what Kobe Bryant is realizing right now, that he doesn't have to take a, a president role or something within the Laker organization to be you know, powerful within the organization. I think Magic realized that over the past couple of days as well. I think you hit it on the head. I think he just realized everyone's questioning, why did you do this now? Why did you do this now? Why not? I mean, this is when he decided, and he didn't want to stretch it out any longer, and I think you nailed it right here at the very beginning. Magic Johnson decided to go back to being Magic Johnson instead of Irving Johnson, and Irving Johnson's a different person. I've got a newsflash for you. The title of basketball operations in the NBA, it's not a sexy job. Mm -mm. It really isn't. It requires a lot of travel. It requires you following high school prospects. It, It requires you following international prospects you're probably gonna have to get to know coaches from all across the world in turkey and in hungary and in italy people that magic johnson never really cared to probably know and i think he didn't realize the the uh how strenuous this job can be until he actually took the position and we've seen the reports from people in basketball anonymous and some not anonymously speaking Saying that Magic Johnson didn't do these things. Magic's not the guy who's going to go to college games two or three times a week, even though I did run into Magic Johnson and Rob Belinka at the ACC uh, tournament semifinal. He wasn't at the championship game, but he was at the Duke-North Carolina game at the ACC tournament. Mm. So he, he did go to some college basketball games. I'm not saying he didn't, but that's not the most sexy job in basketball. Team president of basketball operations. It sounds like you're running the show. It sounds like you're the face. 
but it seems like to me Magic wanted to be a figurehead instead of the guy who's responsible for making all these basketball decisions. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And now, as a Laker fan, I'm kind of looking at this. This roster is a mess. Like, it's weird. It's like three different tiers of player that they have on this roster now. They've got guys they signed to one-year deals that are on expiring contracts like Rondo, Lance Stevenson, JaVel McGee, uh, Tyson Chandler. All those guys were on one-year deals, so all that money's going to get cleared out. And then you've got the young core, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, where they're, they're almost too young to win now, but you don't know how much you can get for them if you trade them. And then you have LeBron James sitting over here in a third tier all by himself on a th- with three years left to go and $100-plus million on a deal he just signed. I have no idea what they're going to do with this roster or who they can recruit to bring over because, to me, if Magic wasn't there last, last July at midnight knocking on LeBron James' door, LeBron James isn't a Laker today. I don't know where he'd be, but I don't think he'd be in L.A. I think it was solely Magic. I don't magic, buy that. You know? I don't buy that. I think LeBron's one of the most calculated athletes we've ever seen, and he had this move in mind not before Magic Johnson came knocking on his door, or well before that. It was, it was something he probably – he's probably in Los Angeles if Magic Johnson knocks on his door or not. But him landing LeBron James, that, that is something you've got to give him credit for. But and the draft here's, here's, here's how I know it's the success or the lack thereof of the team that's led to this news we're getting today more than Magic Johnson's unhappy just with the job altogether. If the Lakers were in the playoffs, there's no chance we get the news of yesterday. Look, Magic Johnson is soaking it all in. He wanted the highs of what the position um, entailed. He didn't want to go through the lows. He didn't, it almost sounds like he didn't consider the lows were possible. The drive's not being broadcast today in the law offices of Timothy D. Wellborn Studios, but Tim Wellborn is the place you need to go if you're looking for somebody specializing in workers' comp, social security, disability, and personal injury. Visit them online at timwellborn.com. You'll know when you need us. We're on Twitter, again, at Sports Hub Triad, and we're broadcasting live from Kickback Jacks in Greensboro. And I keep forgetting there's multiple Kickback Jacks in Greensboro. As the city of Greensboro's official account is pointing out to me right now. Apparently, I didn't spell this out right at the top of the show. Uh, the city of Greensboro said, welcome to Greensboro. Which kickback jacks are you broadcasting from? We've got two. Hashtag humble brag. We're going to be listening and offering corrections of outlandish hot takes. I do love that the city is, is talking trash with the radio show right yeah, now. I like the that. The city of Greensboro is listening right now. And waiting to pounce. Bring on I'd the like petty. to imagine the city of Greensboro <laughs> has Magic Johnson hot takes. <laughs> yeah, and we welcome those hot takes, city of Greensboro. Bring them. We're ready. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't want this uh, smoke. Yeah, they don't want the smoke. <laughs> at Greensboro City. Uh, to answer the question, though, we are at the New Garden Road location. Bring your people, city of Greensboro. What's, what's, uh, what's, uh, <laughs> what's the plan over there uh, after you're done? You getting a plate of wings? What's happening over there? I haven't uh, eaten there in a while. You know, I, I'm, I'm trying to eat healthier, Dan. Yeah, right. we, we've discussed yeah, we, yeah, that we I've have. fallen off the wagon. <laughs> um, a listener pointed that out. I'm trying to diet. Then I'm talking about going through the drive-thru line, being too friendly <laughs> to the employees working the drive-thru. Yep. I can't win either way. Um, I'm going to eat here, of course. I don't know what I'm going to get yet, so... I'll get a menu maybe a little bit later on, and in between our great guests, 
in just a little bit. Doug Gillen, the AD at Appalachian State, alongside Eli Drinkwitz, new Appalachian State football coach who will join us here, Ross Martin of Inside Carolina, and UNC Greensboro head basketball coach Wes Miller. I might be able to pick something out. Also, we have a top ten list today in honor of Virginia winning the national championship. Top ten who's. So begin thinking on that, Des, and we'll get to that top ten list at some point as well. Coming up, two local basketball stories. Then App State's Eli Drinkwitz and Doug Gillen. Keep it here on The Drive. Come on! This is The Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. the Kickback Jacks, New Garden Road location in Greensboro, now being joined by the Director of Athletics at Appalachian State, Doug Gillen, alongside the new head football coach at Appalachian State, previously at NC State, Eli Drinkwitz. They're on a tour across the western part of North Carolina. They're going to be in Greensboro later on tonight at the uh, Grandover. Earlier today, you were in Winston-Salem. It's good to have you here in the triad this is your first go-round doing something like this, but this isn't the first go-round you guys have done these tours, right? Yeah, no, we do these every fall or every spring, so this will be you know, my fourth, coming up in my fourth year at Appalachian. So this is our fourth year, and, and yeah, we, just, we tell all of our folks it's just a good time for us to get down the mountain and just say thank you for all the folks that come up the mountain and support us throughout the year. Coach Drink, people don't like change. That's something I've found, especially when things are going well. Mm-hmm. But you're the first head coach. Appalachian State's had to go out and hire uh, in about 30 years, considering Scott Satterfield was underneath Jerry Moore, and Jerry Moore seemed like he was here forever. When you're talking to fans, like you've been doing today and yesterday at Charlotte and you're going to do tonight in Greensboro, what, what do you tell them in terms of people who have only known success with Appalachian State the last couple decades and want to see it continued under your leadership? Well, the first thing I say is Appalachian State's been great, and it's going to be great long after I go, and it's great long before I got here. My job is to enhance, um, to try to make it better, to try to take it from good to great, um, to try to do it better than it's ever been done before. And so when you're a competitor, when you're always trying to compete, when you're trying to find ways to, to just have a slight improvement, um, it's easy to sell that vision to people, and, and that's really what we're trying to do. And I appreciate uh, our athletic director, Doug, uh, and our chancellor for their belief in, in me and allowing me this opportunity. I'm very excited about it. What do you believe is more difficult of a challenge in coaching, maintaining or rebuilding? Well, you never want to maintain. I, I, I think that's the biggest challenge is you're never trying to maintain. You're never trying to be the status quo. You're always trying to improve as a competitor you're always trying to find that advantage. What's the what's the advantage that's going to take us to the next step, the next level? And for us at App, you know, they've had four straight bowl games, three straight conference championships. For us, it's how do we keep climbing that mountain? What's the next achievement? How, how do we beat a ranked opponent? How do we beat beat a Power Five team um, as a Group of Five um, Division One program? How, how do we play in that that next step bowl game? And so for us. There's a lot of things out there that we can still do. And so what we're trying to do, what, what Doug has allowed me to do, and what we're both our vision is, is try to find ways to continually improve. And, and you know, Doug kicked off a athletic department campaign, make an impact in 2017. The goal was to raise $60 million, and he's already got 40 of it uh, raised. They tore down the Owens building. They're building a brand-new football facility. Um, there's all kinds of 
construction going on, the AP 105 project. And so there's all kinds of momentum right now. We're just tr really trying to continue to uh, capture that and, and make it bigger. Every time I talk to coaches who are looking at opportunities, you're, you're in a good spot, but you're interested in an opportunity. I always find interesting the negotiations for, okay, well, what's going to be different and to allow, to use your pun, go up the mountains, go up the, uh, to, to further climb up the mountain and uh, progress and success. Um, what, what kind of things are discussed in terms of, all right, we need these types of resources in order to get to this point and to achieve goal X or goal Y? Yeah, I, the, the, the great part about it, Eli, when he came in, he said, hey, I got you guys gave me everything I need. I don't need anything more. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's, that's outstanding. You know? I mean, that's actually what happened. When he offered me the job, I didn't even ask what the salary was. I just said, I'll take that, it. That you reminds know? me of the first job I got out of college where uh, a guy called me and said, what do you want to make? I said a number. He said, all right, that sounds good. Yeah. I mean, they oh, shoot. Well, I, I could have got more. I'll give you a quick funny story. So Eli says, so we're, I guess it was December, you know, by the time, yeah. you know, everything got finalized and, and Eli was the next head football coach at App. And, and so he comes and we're like, okay. He goes, yeah, i got to get my feet underneath me. we got some recruiting to do. So this mm -hmm. is January, February. He's like, I'm going to, you know, let's, let me just get a kind of lay of the land and I'll get back in touch with him in March. You yeah. know, just, you yeah. know, what I've identified as maybe some needs. Well, I think that lasted until about January, didn't it? Yeah, when you came yeah, back in the office, January third. <laughs> January third. I said, I thought you were going to come see me in March on what you needed to to continue to take us from good to great. But um, no, we we hired the right guy that's going to do great things at App, and the negotiations were easy. Um, we wanted him, and he wanted to be at App. And um, you know, when you got when you got a marriage like that, you got somebody that really fits your culture, um, somebody that we believe in. Then the negotiations can be easier. You know, and I think talking about negotiations we all want the same thing you know athletic administration our chancellor our board of trustees all we all want the same thing we want to see Appalachian State continue to improve and grow and take care of our student athletes to the best of our abilities all I'm bringing is new ideas different ways to do it and the great thing about Doug is he's always trying to find a way to say yes He's always trying to find a way to say yes. But the reality is there's there's always limited resources. You gotta you gotta say, hey, well we gotta do this, we gotta do this. And I just hey, these are my ideas. Some of them we can do, some of them we can't do. Um, but what we're out trying to do now is find people who wanna partner with us in making those realities for our student athletes. And that's really what these these tours are about. We're being joined by Doug Gillen. Director of Athletics at Appalachian State, new head football coach Eli Drinkwitz here on The Drive. We're live at the Kickback Jacks New Garden Road location in Greensboro. Tell me one thing Eli said during the interview process that sticks out to you, that impressed you, leading to him being your yeah, guy. Yeah, I can't wait to hear he, this. Uh, he yeah. knows. He, he, well, he may not. I mean, there's so many things that impressed me when I was talking to Eli. I don't know if I can just pick just one, but I'll try. Um you know, so the, the interesting part about it, so you, you're doing these coaches searches, and, and um, you know, as we, you know, Scott, uh, I think, became official at, at Louisville on a Monday. So we're doing our search, and we're interviewing on Thursday and Friday, and we get um, 22 inches of snow uh, in, Winston, in, in Boone. The big, really the only, we didn't have a lot of snow in Boone, but we had this one just dump. And it was, and I mean, it happened across the state. Anyways, long story short, so I'm like, uh, talking to Eli on Saturday night. It was 8 o'clock at night. He had just got done with an event, and then we were talking, and he was in the car. And I said, you know, we're we're locked in, man. It's, it's dumping. And he goes, hey, I want that job so bad I'll take a skateboard up there right now if you need me to. 
And uh, and I actually believed him. That's a great line. I, I, I believed him. I would have taken the skateboard. And uh, I, said, I said, man, it's snowing. He goes, well, I got a truck. It's got four-wheel drive. He goes, heck, I'll take a skateboard if you want me to. So that uh, – Do you that, skateboard coach drink? No, he doesn't right, even have one. But he would have learned, He, he probably would have bought one. I would have learned whatever it would say. You know, I mean. but, but, Josh, when you do that, you want somebody that wants you as much as you want them. And um, – and that's just a testament to, you know, we wanted somebody that really wanted to be at App. You know, to, to win at App, you got to want to be at App, and, yeah. and Eli did. You know, opportunities of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of opportunity. And so when this opportunity came about, I was not going to let anything get in the way of getting in front of these guys and letting them know what my vision and my hopes for being the head football coach at App were. And so, crud, I didn't care if it was a skateboard, pogo stick, you name it, I was getting up there. How did your days in Boise prepare you for this for the cold you're going to see certain days in Boone. Yeah, you know, I mean. You because just, everywhere you, else the, the on your track record, warm stuff. Your blood's got to thicken up. You know, when, you, when you're down the mountain, your blood's a little bit thinner, and so it's a little bit colder. Um, but, no, you know, we, we faced some cold weather games. I think we played in San Diego State, and it was minus four degrees. So we're used to it. Ain't no big deal. <laughs> Weather's just a mindset. Looking at um, this opportunity, though, what was um, what is it about? the tradition at Appalachian State that makes it unique? Because looking broadly, I guess regionally, the state of North Carolina, when you look at schools that have football tradition, yeah. you, you can maybe look at where you were at before NC State, having the great players who have rolled through there the last 15 years. East Carolina's had their moments over the last decade. I knew he was going to say East yeah, Carolina. Yeah, we, we knew that I, was coming. Yeah, he I, was going to have to get them in. Yeah, I had to work them in a little <laughs> yeah, bit, right. East Carolina That's graduate. Right. Yeah, yeah. But – there's no question, when you think college town, when you think football tradition, Appalachian State, the rock, is probably the best you're going to find in the state of North Carolina. I wonder, is how, how big a piece of that is, um, is it when you're, when you're looking at places you could potentially coach? Well, I mean, th- when you say the word probably, I don't even think there's a probably about it. I, I think there's a tradition, there's a commitment, um, there's a passion, there's a pride. And that's really what it's about. When you're looking at these programs, you want you want a place that's committed. You want an athletic department and an administration that's aligned in their values and understanding how athletics can play a role into the university. And you want to see a pride in a fan base that's that's you know passionate about their team and willing to do, that's willing to commit to what it takes to continue to enhance their program. And um, this place has all that. And so. and on your end, Doug, we mentioned how long it's been since. Appalachian State had to go outward, leave Boone to find their next fo- football coach. You also hired a basketball coach who we talked to last week in Coach Kearns who came from Presbyterian. What, what's this? these last couple months been like for you? How essential for Appalachian State athletics have the last four or five months been hiring this guy and also yeah. bringing in Coach Kern. I, I heard he had brown hair before. I, <laughs> is that right? Yeah, yeah it's, got, it's gone a little gray. Yeah, but I, but I, I always <laughs> I tell people, you know, circumstances dictate your reactions um, and actions. So we, you know, with Scott Satterfield, you know, that was, you know, there's a story behind that too. I won't get into it all, but, you know, we were in New York, both of us, on Monday getting ready for a dinner, and then, you know, Louisville happened, so we both had to head back. And so, you know, that was just a circumstance that was, you know, we had known at some point in time with all the success. That you Scott, were with Scott when he learned about Louisville? I was in the same city. We were both in New York City. Ah. We were to have dinner that night with some folks. Um, it was around the National Football Foundation. And so long story short, he finds out. So then all the reporters are calling. So he gets a plane back. I get a plane back. And so then it was, you know, it's a circumstance that, that, that dictated our, our actions. And then, um, 
you know, so we had to move quick with that. And, and for all of this, what I try to keep in the forefront is our student athletes. They want to know who's going to lead their program. So you, they came to a program that was led by Scott Satterfield. That changed within 24 hours. We're going to a bowl game. Then they're going home for break in that condensed. And then we had, we had early recruiting. So in all that condensed period, I wanted to get the search done as soon as possible because I wanted them to know who the next coach was going to be um, first and foremost. So you try to do it quickly because of student athletes and then the same for basketball is um when we decided that um you know it was time to make a change it was time to you know we we went from um coach fox did a great job at, at appalachian we were in a real bad place and then and, and when he got there from an academic standpoint he fixed all that and then um you know we want to take that next step and and with that we decided that we needed to go um you know, in, in a different direction. But that was the same thing because as soon as you make that decision, while recruiting pressures aren't on you, the student athletes want to know who their next leader is going to be. And the longer things drag out. So you try to do it as quick as possible. We're always prepared. We have candidate profiles. We have lists. We, we research out and some people help us find some different folks and talk to different folks and logistics. But um, at the end of the day, you know, it is stressful and it is busy, but you just always keep in mind, what am I going to do for the best uh, for Appalachian State and our student athletes. What details can you give me about this tour? You're going to be at the Grandover Resort later on tonight. You, this is not your first go-around. Yeah. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz, this is your first time going yep. through this and meeting a lot of Appalachian fans in the western part of the state. What? Where Where can people find you? Yeah, so and then we're going to go so tomorrow. We're going to be in Raleigh. We're going to do some stuff over at with, uh, meet some legislators that are our uh, Appalums. We're going to go see them. And then in Raleigh, and then we're going to be, uh, tomorrow night we'll be in Raleigh as well. And then we'll be back. So we did. We did. Uh, we last week we did Lenore and we did Hickory, and then this week we're doing Charlotte. Last night, Winston, Greensboro, Raleigh, and then we'll be back. And then later we'll go to hit a couple other spots, just one off. But you know, to put all of our coaches, you know, we had Angel Elderkin who just won the you know women's basketball invitational title. We had her last night with John Mark Bentley who's just won four straight Southern Conference wrestling titles. We had you know Matt Jenner Pro that just won the East and the Sun Belt. You know, so, you know, when we look at um, all the coaches, I tell everybody, um, you know, the hardest job um, that you got to get right is you got to hire great coaches. They're the ones that are with student athletes every day. And, and now I feel really good with Dustin, obviously with Eli and all of the coaches that we have at App. We're in a great, great spot. And we're trying to get them out and get them introduced to other people too so we can continue to share the news about the things that competitively um, are going on in our athletic department. Academically, we've never been better. 13 straight semesters over a 3.0. 14 uh, different programs with 1,000 APR. And then competitively, uh, we've never been better. We're winning in every sport um, for the most part. Obviously, we've got a couple with some new coaches, but things are really good, so we want to get out and tell people that. Well, one of the first impressions I had moving here to the western part of the state and doing this show, and I've been here since well, probably about six or seven months, I, I, I went out on a Thursday night, or it was a Saturday game, and – there, every single television at a restaurant I was at was on Appalachian State football and Winston-Salem. And mm -hmm. the passion people have for the black and gold in this area, it's, it's unquestionably one of the best football you're going to find, uh, football fan bases you're going to find in all of college uh, football regionally and uh, in the state of North Carolina. And here's the thing we love about it. This is the home yes. of Appalachian State football and yep. the triad, too. So we're certainly excited about that. Doug, it's so good to meet you Thank finally you for me. and Likewise. to have you here at Kickback Jack's New Garden Road in Greensboro. I want to keep Coach Drinkwitz for a little while longer. On the, on the other side of a break, okay. I want to talk about quarterbacks, Great. including the one you have at Appalachian State Very coming good. up this year. Keep it here on the Sports Hub. 
This is the Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Serious talk. Talk, talk, talk. <laughs> and I like it. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. You are listening to the Sports Hub. We are being joined by Eli Drinkwitz. And right before we came into this segment, Coach Drink said, let's talk about the stinking Virginia Cavaliers because we're going to have Wes Miller drop by the show, uh, the head coach of UNC Greensboro, and everyone's talking about college hoops this week. And you yourself have grown up a college basketball fan. So what would you make of Virginia winning a national title? I tell you what, there's nothing for me. I stay up to watch the game just to watch one shining moment. I don't think there's anything better than in sports um, besides one shining moment. And, and, I mean, I can sing that Luther Vandross song. I mean, I love that thing. But, uh, man, you watch Virginia. They, they play great defense. I think their head, uh, their head basketball coach, Coach Bennett, does a great job. He's just who he is. Um, that was a tough team. You could tell that they were ready for the moment. The moment wasn't too big for them. The last three games came down to single possessions, and those guys didn't flinch. So, I was excited for them. Uh, my producer, Desmond Johnson, who you can hear as well, uh, he's giving me grief right now via a text we have in front of me because yesterday I said that I wasn't the biggest fan of the song One Shining Moment. What's I, wrong with I, you? I, I like the Dude, montage. I, said. I feel like you could put – we love basketball so much, we could put any song one there. One Shining Moment? Yeah, One Shining Moment. The ball is tipped. There you are. You're running for your, for your life. life. Yeah. You're a <laughs> superstar. Gosh, yeah. I mean, I, I will, talk I to him, coach. That. Yeah, I was, that's wrong, I right? was getting crushed on social media, and be. you know what? I'm not, I'm not right 100 percent of the time. So uh, I'll concede yeah. that for a little bit. Wow. I'm excited to see what you're going to do with Zach Thomas this yeah. year because we learned about him last year replacing, uh, replacing Taylor Lamb uh, in past years, who right. was a tremendous quarterback at Appalachian State. And I think the moment App State fans knew that this is going to be somebody that is going to be good for several years, was when he went into Happy Valley and nearly knocked off Coach Franklin in Penn State last year. Give me a sense for your first impression of him as someone who has worked with your fair share of quarterbacks, most recently Ryan Finley, who a lot of people consider to be a very good top-notch NFL prospect. Yeah, you know, I think the thing about Zach is he's, you know, when we talk about quarterbacks, we really talk about five characteristics. Um, And the first one being toughness. Uh, you have to be mentally and physically tough to play the position of quarterback. Um, it's never going to be perfect. Um, there's going to be plays that break down, and you've got to be physically tough enough to, to make the throws in any conditions. And then you've got to be mentally tough enough to block out the back bad plays and, and move on. And Zach's really got both of those characteristics. He's a mentally tough kid. He's a physically tough kid. Um, and so you feel good about that, that characteristic. We talk about toughness, preparation, decision-making, accuracy, and leadership. And really, he, he has all of those. His preparation, soaking up the offense, studying it, learning it, uh, being in the, in the film room extra, his decision-making, you know, he has that know when to tuck it, know when to run. Um, his accuracy is something that we really want to work on and improve, and he did that over the spring. You know, we chart every throw, and he had a, uh, over the course of the spring, um, he had 67% accuracy, which 60% is really the goal, and so he's able to do that. And then his leadership capabilities – Obviously, when you've produced at the level he is, Sun Belt Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, then that gives you a, a certain set of leadership capabilities because everybody looks up to you. Um, but also off the field, just rallying those guys and, 
and, and talking to those guys in between series and really the buy-in that he showed to our staff and our offense, uh, you know, has been has been great. And uh, I really think he's got the skills necessary to continue to grow and improve. App State football coach Eli Drinkwitz with us here at Kickback Jacks. Um, I remember when I was talking to Ryan Finley at a, a football kickoff in Charlotte yeah. last year. Um, one thing I asked him in an answer that sticks out to me was uh, he, I was asking, what, what are some things Coach Drink <laughs> brings up to you to, to try and take your game to the next level? And he kept talking about just sharpness, doing yep. what you do and doing it a lot better. Yep. But he also said that it's a special relationship that exists between quarterback and in this case, quarterbacks yeah. coach slash offensive coordinator. Yeah. What does that relationship look like? Somebody who is as, as qualified as you are to be a quarterbacks coach and a play caller yeah. and also your quarterback. I, I think it's, it's built on trust and respect because at the end of the day, uh, you're going to coach the quarterback. You're going to coach it in a room in a finite deal. But the football field is, is always changing. And you've got to give them – the plan, but then what they do with the plan is theirs. They're, they're like an artist. They paint the picture themselves. And so you have to trust them that they're going to make the right decisions, and you got to respect them enough that when they tell you, hey, I don't like this play or I don't necessarily like this, you can't get your feelings hurt. you got to trust them. Hey, they're the one that's got to go out there and perform. And so let's tailor the offense to them. And I think for me and Ryan and, and all the great quarterbacks I've been around, Ryan Finley, the Brett Rippins, the Freddie Knightons, the – the Adam Kennedys. That Cam Newton Grant, guy. Cam Newton. I mean, all of those guys, there was a respect factor that when – and a trust factor that when they said, hey, this this doesn't fit or this doesn't fit, you listen to them and say, okay, we're going to play to your strengths. And you earn that trust through investment, and we invested together, and, and that's what happened. Let's learn a little bit about your background. Appalachian yep. State football coach with us, Eli Drinkwitz. You were born in Norman, yep. grew up in Arkansas. Yep. What was your earliest memory of college football? Wow, you know, that's that's kind of a tough question. Um, I really, probably my earliest memories uh, are the Arkansas Razorbacks, Barry Lunny uh, Jr. to J.J. Metters to beat Alabama, I think circa 1994 probably. Mm -hmm. um, and that was definitely a catch. I know some people think it wasn't. That's definitely a catch. <laughs> uh, speaking of beating Alabama, what can you tell me about your year at Auburn when it's halftime, you guys are trailing by a bunch against yeah. the Crimson Tide? What can you tell me about Cam Newton's halftime speech that I always hear about um, when you guys were down big at Alabama? You know, uh, we were not playing very good football, um, and they had been really getting after us pretty good. Didn't didn't look great. They had one of the best defenses in college football that year. And uh, we come in at halftime, and all the coaches were in a little area huddled up talking about the game plan, figuring out what we can do. And we hear uh, Cam talking to the team. And basically what it came down to was quit talking about it. Let's be about it. Let's, let's quit talking. We don't need big speeches. We just need to go out there and do our jobs, do it at a high level. And uh, I'm trying to remember Trooper Taylor coming back in and saying, guys, it doesn't matter what we draw up in here. They're going to be just fine because Cam's got them right. And he was 100% right. It really, we didn't really change the game plan any. We just went out and executed at a higher level. And Cam had that unique ability that everybody wanted to rally around him. Um, he was one of the most dynamic leaders I've ever been around. Um, the players were, were just – they wanted to play and match his level of intensity. And you see that same thing with the Carolina Panthers and, and really proud of the way um, he's performed since then. But, but that was a moment that I will not ever forget. You guys came back, won 28-27, yeah. won the Iron Bowl yeah. in Tuscaloosa, then uh -huh. won the national championship on a game-winning field goal. 
uh, against Oregon. And uh, I am convinced Michael Dyer was not down. He definitely wasn't down. Went, they wasn't replayed down. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, they replayed it. Yeah. You are smiling wide right now, though, I notice, as he went up the sideline and then they got the game-winning field goal. But I can vouch to exactly what you're saying about Cam in terms of how people uh, rally around him. The yeah. last few years covering the Panthers, um, it's, a, it's a unique scene in the locker room, whether it's his choice of music, playing in that locker room, and how guys respond to him. But considering his personality, somebody who has done a television show for Nickelodeon, who's done game shows on TV, who has his own YouTube uh, channel now, that seems to be something he's interested in, but it's less about football analysis and more about his own personality. Well, what do you think you could see Cam Newton doing one day after football uh, ends for him? Anything he wants. I mean, he's got... um an unbelievable personality, and he's got a caring heart and a caring spirit, and I think that's what people are so attracted to. I mean, he does a, a Cam Newton 7-on-7. Seven seven. Most people will sponsor it. He's there all the time investing in those young men. Um, I, I think Cam can do anything he wants to do. He's got a great smile. He's got a great heart, and um, I'm excited for whatever he wants to do. Eli- he might be president of the United States. Who knows? Eli Drinkwitz hanging out with us here. Um, so, you, you are prepared for the cold. We discussed that a little yeah. bit. How about the family? You got a wife, three kids? I do have three kids, yep. They, yeah, are uh, they prepared for this too? Absolutely. They're, they're already up in Boone. They're ready to roll. Um, I got a third grader, a kindergartner, a 20-month-old. Excited to take them up to Appalachian Ski Mountain and, and teach them how to ski. Um, it's going to be a great deal for my family. How, how, how often do people, Appalachian State fans, come up to you still and say that you look like Scott Satterfield? Never happens. I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, do, do you look like that guy? I don't know who we're talking about here. Des, do you know who that person is? I don't uh, know. No, I don't. That was a, that was a so. sick joke when they put out. Uh, I blame Joey for that. It was a sick joke they had. Are you going to wear a visor? Crap, I, I, yeah, crap, yeah, I'm going to wear a visor. I mean, why would you not? I've been wearing a visor my whole career. And if Steve Spurrier wears a visor, dadgummit, I'm going to wear a visor too. Oh, wow. We got, we got, we got a dadgummit in here. You, you earned so many points by just saying dadgummit. I mean, I that's, that is a good southern colloquialism. That's a, that's a pretty good one there. But, Coach Drink, appreciate you dropping by our yeah, set no, tonight. Thank you. Thank Grandover you. Resort in Greensboro. Yeah. If you're in the area, come by and uh, say hello to uh, Coach Drinkwitz. You're going to be over there around 530, so yeah. appreciate you doing this. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much. That's Eli Drinkwitz, the new head coach of Appalachian State Football, spending some time with us this afternoon. And he's on Twitter, too. Worth shooting him a follow. You can uh, follow Coach Drink at, you guessed it, Coach Drinkwitz. Thanks to everybody else who helped organize that as well. We'll have uh, Wes Miller join the program and uh, Ross Martin as well. The drive is brought to you in part by our friends at Pie Guys Pizza and more. You can visit them in Clemens. And uh, I mainly want to tell you about Pie Guys because they have the Grand Slam pizza. We have our own pizza. And if you're in Clemens, you should try it. Uh, Chicken and bacon on top of a Texas peat base. Order online, pieguys.com. They are located, Kinnaman Village Commons, right off of Louisville Clemens Road. You can order online at pieguys.com. Tell you what, I don't know if it translates over the radio, but big fan of uh, Eli Drinkwitz after that. Big college basketball fan, too. You can tweet the show at Sports Up Triad. If you missed any of our conversation with Doug Gillen and also Eli Drinkwitz, you can find it on the Best of Podcast, available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Stitcher, and other places I'm forgetting. 
But wherever you get your podcast, you can certainly find WSJS Sports Hub and The Drive. You are listening to WSJS Winston-Salem, WCOG Greensboro, WPCM Burlington, and WMFR High Point. Come on! Let's go! You're on The Drive with Josh Graham, The The Sports Sports Hub, at AM 600, AM 920. Ross Martin with us from inside Carolina. We're broadcasting from the Kickback Jacks New Garden Road location in Greensboro. Ross Martin has a piece of paper out, and he's trying to come up with some who's that are going to be on my top ten list. Top ten who's. It's Wednesday. And we have our weekly top ten list in honor of the Virginia Cavaliers, otherwise known as the Wahoos, and in short, the who's here. So... Desmond, trying to come up with some of these as well back in our uh, Greensboro, or excuse me, our Kernersville Sports Hub studios. 336-777-1600 on Twitter at Sports Hub Triad. How many do you have written down at this present moment? Talking to me? Yes, Ron. <laughs> I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Wow. Eight. He's what? got eight written down. He's he's I mean, good at this game. He's this this he's is going to be Ross Martin's game. He's either really good at this or really bad at this. One of the I other. Have, <laughs> I have things that I would pick. I don't uh, know if there are ones Josh picked. Josh is a weird. Yeah, I've learned that the things that I would think would naturally be on this top ten list are usually on his just missed the cut list. So I'm not really sure how this is going to go. I have one that if it's not on here, I'm going to burn the studio down. And I'm trying to explain. See, I want to let people in. I want to do an inclusive show more than an exclusive show. Right. So it's more, <laughs> it's it's more explaining the bits that we do rather than just doing it. These generally have wordplay in them, and it's not when I say top ten who's just ten Virginia Cavaliers on the list. That's not how this thing works. So I think everyone's clear on this. Let's go ahead and do it. Cue the music that once upon a time. The lady who runs the runs the show back at the Sports Hub, Heidi Pratt, called uh, Bougie Music. Cue that up and let's hit it. Oh, yes! Ross Martin. It's that time. Top 10 who's. People are staring at me for good reason. <laughs> When you let out, I don't care. When you let out a moan in the middle of a, uh, a restaurant, you might Should cause some face. distraction. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have what she's having. Number Jeez. ten, <laughs> my number ten. Who? Ralph Sampson. You're going like athletes. Oh, see, I, see, I didn't really know you were going to go that route. Okay, oh, that's his first one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Number nine. Ross has learned. Very quickly. <laughs> Quick learner, Ross Martin. Number nine on my list, top ten who's. Horton, here's a who. Did you read Dr. Uh, Soyce as a kid? Dr. what? Dr. what? <laughs> what was Dr. Soyce. Dr. Soyce? Dr. Seuss. That's, it's actually pronounced Soyce, so don't look at me funny for actually pronouncing it correct. <laughs> correctly. I know that I makes me the jerk that. guy, but it is Dr. Soyce. You can look it up. I don't know how you deal with this every day. I don't Desmond. either. <laughs> Dr. I'm pronouncing it correctly. I go to my what house do you want from me? and tell my kids, hey, bring all your Dr. Soyce books out to the living room so we can uh, have reading time. They would look at me like I'm a nut. It's Dr. Soyce. Number eight. <laughs> my number eight who? The who? 
Yeah, I got that. Yeah. Okay, now yeah, I, 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 went down. I went more particular and went Pete Townsend. Nice. <laughs> or, or Roger Daltrey. Ah. Gosh. A little inside. Ross gets it. That was a really bad Super Bowl halftime show. I love the Who. I was really disappointed by the one they did. Uh, it was the Colts Saints Super Bowl. Apparently, Sean Payton during Teenage Wasteland thought that's when I'm I'm, I'm going to do an onside kick to start the second half. There was something in Teenage Wasteland that erected that thought in his mind. Erected. Thank you, Ross. Number seven. My number seven. Who? Hootie and the Blowfish. Well, that's good. Good. What's his name? It's not Hootie. Darius Rucker. Born May 13th. What? In South Carolina. What town in what? South Carolina what? was he born in? Why do you know his birthday? Is that your birthday? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It'd be a lot weirder if it wasn't. Yeah, just May 13th. No, 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 they went to South Carolina. He did go to USC. Big, around big, that Columbia area. Big Cox fan. Number six. My number six who? Hooping. Ooh. <laughs> To connect uh, what we talked about previously, Kobe White would always call it hooping. I just hoop. He'd always would say that in interviews. Yeah, man, I went out there and just hooped. We just hooped. The first time me and you met, we were hooping at Cameron Indoor Stadium. It was the Cameron Media game, probably about three or four years ago. Yeah. You were a bruiser. Yeah. In fact, I don't even think you remember this, but we, we were playing against each other in a game, and Nolan Smith walked in, and he sat in the front row watching us play basketball, watching us play pickup. And I was going to the basket, towards the basket he was sitting right in front of. And right as the game began, I just darted towards the rim, caught a pass, and you were the one that was right in front of me at the rim. You hammered me. Oh, yeah. But I got the ball up. It went off glass and in and won. I stumbled at the feet of Nolan Smith, and I could hear him say under his breath, Nice. <laughs> In that moment, Nolan Smith thought I was a good basketball. You can tell that's your like, that's your biggest sports moment of your life. It is. It's right there with being a four-year high school varsity soccer player, starter, yeah. center midfielder. Um, it's right there, being uh, once thought of as an okay basketball player in the mind of national champ Nolan Smith. Number five, my number five, who? Who Jackman? Ah. <laughs> I'm going to give that one C. That's good. I'll go Hugh Grant. You know, either one of those. Okay. Oh, man. Hugh Grant. What a music snack, and, that guy. Music and lyrics. <laughs> music and lyrics. Is that your – what's your favorite Hugh, uh, Hugh Grant movie? Music and lyrics. That's your Drew favorite Grant. one? Yeah. Mm. Des? I don't have a favorite Hugh Grant movie. Yeah. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> no, nope, not really. Matter of fact, I can't Love think of Actually, one or Valentine's Day or – what? yeah, it's Love Actually. Love Actually. That's probably my favorite Hugh Grant movie. That's a great date movie. Still today, you can go watch Love Actually. It holds up very well. <laughs> number four. My number four who? Whose line is it anyway? It's good. It's a great show. A little easy. Yeah. yeah. That, that's a show that I always keep on if I see it on the television. Did, did you used to watch Whose Line Is It yeah, Anyway? I, I was Wayne Brady bit. the best character on that show or somebody else? The tall dude. It's pretty good. Oh, yeah, the tall dude that no one knows. That Wayne, looks like Joe Theismann. Yeah. Wayne Brady was such a good because of his songs. The improv uh, freestyle songs he would do. The balding guy. Yeah, he was great, too. Those were the trifecta. And then Drew, Drew Carey he facilitating the, it all. Was he the host? He was the host. Where the points don't matter, 
Whose line is it anyway? Good show, good show. Number three! My number three who? Hoosiers. Okay. Movie or the, or the basketball team? Yes. Hoosiers! It's the same thing. It was ruined for me when somebody, I think it might have been at the Undefeated or somewhere else. I want to give the person credit who said this. They just eviscerated it saying, yeah, the championship game where all the players who don't know, the, 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 the coach that doesn't know how to coach just so happens to be a black coach and all the players who are the bad guys, the entire team on the visiting side was, was all black guys and there wasn't a black guy to be found on the Hoosiers squad. There you go. It ruined it all for me. I don't know if you feel that way, Desmond, but uh, uh, Hoosiers. Also, Rudy. Rudy was ruined for me, too. When, well, I, when he went offsides? That, that's true. He was offsides. <laughs> but also, when Joe Theismann said, yeah, none of that happened. Yeah, no, yeah. no one was bringing jerseys into Vince the coach's was in, room. Vince uh, was in Rudy. He was in Rudy. Uh, Sean Astin. Mm-hmm. But um, no, none of that happened, apparently. There was no chant. Brett Freelander, who writes for the North State Journal, he apparently was at that game. He doesn't remember anything that happened there. Uh, Georgia Tech and Notre Dame. He doesn't remember a Rudy chant taking hold of Notre Dame Stadium. Gosh, that movie's so overrated. So is One Shining Moment. Number two! What? My number two who? Hubert Davis. Okay. <laughs> it's a stretch. Good. It's a stretch, good. but... <laughs> yeah! Yeah. That one barely got Pretty in before the cutoff. Tar Heel legend and Tar Heel assistant, Hubert Davis. Next next UNC coach? That that one or got. Wes Miller. Yeah, I, I've said Hubert the next Wait, coach, I thought, too. I like that. I thought Doug Gottlieb reported it was going to happen three years ago. <laughs> that uh, that entry. Pants on backwards. <laughs> that entry right. basically got into the club with a fake stamp. So. I think Hubert might have to go away and be a head coach somewhere first. Number one. My number one who. You who's. The milk? Matter of fact. I don't I think it one. is milk. I think it's specifically say drink. It's a chocolate drink. I had that one listed as well. That's the only How one I had. How did you get right? It's <laughs> the only one I had was you who. Is that the one that you would burn this place to the ground if it wasn't yep. on the list? And you actually put it in the number one spot. So I'm pretty happy right now. It's a good list, yeah. I think. What, what what did I miss, though, Ross? Martin? I had uh, Yahoo Fantasy oh, wow. Football. Ah. Great fancy football uh, place to play. It said Who's House. <laughs> Just saying Who's House. Would that be Run's House? Or? <laughs> yeah, exactly. God, I laugh. I said Who's Bad. Ah. Can't talk Can't talk about Michael Jackson much anymore, but uh, Who's you know, Bad. I don't think that's true, actually. I, I think people kind of moved back to the music is above everything. I think it's oh, safe to go. That was quick. Michael yeah. Jackson's canceled. He is. If R. Kelly's canceled, Michael Jackson has to be canceled. I took my kids. the rules. I didn't create. I took my kids to the Globetrotters a couple weeks ago. They played three Michael Jackson songs. The whole arena went nuts. I I can separate. I could separate the art from the artist in some cases. Like R. Kelly, I believe I can fly. I'm always going to love that song. Like if if you have an issue with R. Kelly, think he needs to be canceled, that's fine. I'm going to love Space Jam, and I'm going to love. I believe I can fly. I'm sorry. I think the thing with R. Kelly is that he's still alive. Says a lot. You're kind of siding with R. Kelly over, <laughs> right? What's, like, what's that if about? Pick, if you're gonna pick one of those two guys, <laughs> I'm siding over. I believe I can fly because that song means more to me than any MJ song. And then my last two were the two uses of whose W H O apostrophe S versus W H O S E. Ah, common grammatical issue with a lot of people. Mm, that's Do not you how we make play this that game. mistake often. 
What? Do you make that mistake no, often? No, because W-H-O apostrophe S is just who is. That's all I have to think about. That's it. That's it. All the ones possessive. <laughs> right? Who's? That's true. A lot of we're we're teaching a lot of English and grammar on today's show. <laughs> English and grammar with Ross Martin and friends. Uh, Des, what else did you have on your list? I don't, all I had was you. That was it. I literally wrote you who down. And you. I was like, yeah, I don't know what else is going to happen in this list. <laughs> we but then can't you did, see you, did, you right now. You did great, buddy. You did great. We can't see you right now, but I'd like to picture Des has a blank sheet of paper in front of him. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Written in front of him. Remember that time Josh showed every, he showed the triad he could count? Pretty cool. Yeah. And right next to number one, he has Yoo-Hoo. That's all that's written on a paper in front of Des right I'm gonna now. I'm going to text it to you because I literally all, all this is you. <laughs> I'd say elementary school chocolate milk was the preferred drink of chocolate drink of choice. Yoo-Hoo's not More really milk. Yoo-Hoo's not really milk. It's just yeah, like true. Josh says, chocolate drink. So I'm not really sure what. I don't think there's any dairy in it. You Before we get to the five things at five, <laughs> I, have a, I have a quick story to tell <laughs> of the most southern wedding I've ever been to. It was my cousin who was getting married, and it was at a horse ring in Youngsville, North Carolina. A horse ring where they have rodeos and such. And right outside the horse ring, they, they had all the groomsmen there. They were wearing white button-up shirts, bolo ties, and blue jeans, naturally. Phil River style. Correct. And we all sat on hay bales as this wedding was taking place, as the wedding was being presided over. But, but, but where's the bridesmaids? Where's the bride at? We hear music, country music, blaring in the background, and here comes a pickup truck that is being driven by the bride's father with the bride sitting shotgun and the bridesmaids in the bed of the truck. They come by, and then they uh, have the wedding. Right after the wedding ends, the first song that's played by the DJ is not anything you would expect at a wedding. It's instead... Old Town Road? Uh, no, this is probably a couple <laughs> years ago. Freak-a-Leak by, uh, by Petey Pablo was the first <laughs> song that played. Why am I telling you this story? Well, the uh, reception, I went at the top of the hill. They were having a pig picking. And I asked, what do you guys have to drink? They said, well, we, uh, for the adults, we got uh, Budweiser and water. Yeah, for the kids, we got uh, water and Yoo-Hoo. There you go. <laughs> I chose the Yoo-Hoo. <laughs> you are listening to WSJS Winston-Salem, WCOG Greensboro, WMFR High Point, and uh, also WPC in Burlington. The Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. Ross Martin with us here. We are at the Greensboro Kickback Jacks, but I was learned or I was taught by the uh, city of Greensboro official Twitter page that there are multiple Kickback Jacks. Battleground. To specify, we are at the the, uh, New Garden Road Greensboro Kickback Jacks. Desmond, do we have Wes Miller with us? 336-777-1600. We'll get to your calls a little bit later on. At Sports Hub Triad on Twitter. We'll get to North Carolina as well. Revisit that with Ross Martin momentarily as well. Wes Miller just completed one of his more successful campaigns at uh, UNC Greensboro. And we'll, we'll catch up with them in just a little bit. 
as he's set to call in. He was going to come by um, our live location. We already had Appalachian State head basketball coach, or excuse me, head football coach Eli Drinkwitz show up on the show, and we had the director of athletics, Doug Gillen, spend some time with us too. BG so, Dub. However, yeah, BG, BG Dub. Dub. Big, big guest Wednesday. <laughs> Ross Martin, a part of that as well. You can follow him on Twitter at Ross Martin underscore IC. Uh, let's go to uh, Wes Miller now, who joins the program from UNC Greensboro. We're, we're in your backyard. We're at the Kickback Jacks location, New Garden Road uh, spot. Wes, congratulations on a great year. You're on with us here in the triad. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm great. Thanks for having me. So as a coach who's built UNCG into a perennial SOCON contender, what impressed you about what we saw earlier this week with Virginia winning the national title and specifically what Tony's built in Charlottesville? Wow. Well, I, I could go on about that for a while because, you know, watching that program from a distance, I've been impressed with it for a long time, not just because they cut nets down last Monday night. Um, you know, we, we opened up with Virginia not this past season, but the two previous seasons. So, you know, three seasons ago we opened up with them at the Coliseum. You know, last year we opened up at UVA. And the interesting thing playing against them was we learned more from watching the tape of how they guard than we did kind of watching ourselves playing the game. Those, those, both of those games allowed us to break the tape down with our team and talk about that's how you're supposed to be focused defensively. That's how consistent you're supposed to be defensively. And I thought, I thought our teams those two years got better because of the experience playing in Virginia. Um, but let me tell you, other than that part, it wasn't a whole lot of fun playing against them. I heard a coach say one time, playing them's like going to the dentist. And it sure felt like that those two years. But that just tremendous job. And Tony does it the right way. He has a really specific culture, which I respect. He recruits to it. He sticks to it. And then to see kind of, what happened against UMBC a year ago in the tournament with the worst loss in history to then come back. I think it speaks to not just Tony, but the character of the entire program. Um, so I, yeah, it's one of those programs that you admire from afar, and I certainly admire Tony as a leader, as a coach. Give me a sense for how respected he is in the, in the very close-knit basketball coaching community because we often don't get a sense for the guys that many people uh, respect Outside of the Power Five, when you look at guys in the state like Bob McKillop at Davidson, who every year appears on the most underrated coach list, and Mike Young, who you knew pretty well at Wofford, who's now the head coach at Virginia Tech, hired earlier this week. When it comes to Tony Bennett, I, I think a lot of people nationally thought this national title win was what, would, what validated him. But four ACC titles in the last six years is very tough to do. And Tony Bennett was able to do that, so it seems like a long. It, this this is something coaches have known for a very long time. How legit Tony Bennett has been. Yeah, well said. I mean, you know, it, the the tournament's just brutal because it's the single elimination. Everybody knows that single elimination is what makes it so exciting. Um, so I think as a, as coaches, you know, we don't our admiration or respect isn't based on a single elimination tournament every year. Um, certainly I have respect for the coaches that navigate that well and all that, but there's a huge body of work outside of the NCAA tournament in college basketball and the consistency Tony's had year after year um, and the way he does it, I think he has respect from the entire coaching community. I can tell you, uh, and guys you mentioned, like Bob McKillop and Mike Young fit into that category. You know, personally, as a head coach, 
I think the respect even grows when you play against those guys and prepare for their teams. And the guys that always impress me the most when you play against them year after year and when we played against Bob McKillop's teams at Davidson year after year, Mike Young's teams at Wofford, and like I said, we played back-to-back against Virginia, you know, you see the, the personnel change, but the values and the character of the team is the same. And, and that tells you that there's some solid leadership at the top. And I think anybody that's coached against Tony feels that way. And I, I do think regardless of what would have happened this weekend in the Final Four, Tony's one of the most well-respected coaches in America amongst coaches. UNCG head coach Wes Miller with us here on The Drive. Before we get to what you're building with the Spartans, what is Virginia Tech getting in Mike Young? Well, they're getting they're getting an unbelievable basketball coach. And, I, you know, I'll say this first, and I put Bob McKillop in the same category. Coaching against those guys in the Southern Conference has challenged me to try to figure out how to become a better coach in every possible way. And that's maybe the best compliment I could give them because just trying to figure out how to win the next possession against their teams is – you know, more complicated than I think people can imagine. But uh, I, he offensively, you know, I, I think he's on the cutting edge. You know, we're in an era where everybody plays screen on the ball and, you know, spreads the floor and drives it. And he's doing things, you know, off the ball screening like old, you know, Bob Knight motion type concepts, but with some of the, the modern parts of the game where he incorporates you know, the ball screen into those concepts. You know, he really does a great job of recruiting to his system. And then his, his teams are really hard-nosed defensively. They're really hard-nosed with their discipline. Um, he is a tremendous coach. And, it, you know, who knows what he, what he tries to do at Wofford and how he tries to do it. But at Wofford, they – I'm sorry, Virginia Tech. But at Wofford, they recruited to their system as well as anybody. You know, I think that's a part of it is finding players that fit your system. And they did such a good job of finding the right pieces for the way that they were trying to play. Now that he's out of the Southern Conference, do you feel that opens the door for a team like yours to be a consistent mainstay at the top of the league? You know, uh, we're trying to be. Uh, we, we were trying to be when Coach Young was still at Wofford. Uh, we were trying to be when Bob McKillop was at Davidson. That's our goal every year is to try to be at the top of the league. I, I hope that's every team's goal when they start the season in November. It's certainly ours. I'm, um, I don't, I don't speculate on, you know, if coaches leave or come and go or players change. It doesn't change our approach, and I don't think there's any given that any of us are going to be there at the end of the year, any year. But we are trying to be. Uh, I think our kids have been in those positions the last couple of years, so they know what it takes, and they know what it takes over the course of the off season. It's not a given, but those are our goals uh, year in and year out. But be honest, if I injected you with truth serum right now, you learn the news, <laughs> Mike Young's leaving the league. What? What is – is it relief, man? Thank God I don't have to face that guy anymore. You know, I, you know, I, I – uh, it wasn't relief. I honestly – I think the first thing I thought was, man, I'm happy for him. You know, and, and, he, and him and I weren't, like, close friends by any means, but everybody in our, local, our league is cordial. Uh, but I was happy for him because here's a guy that put, you know, 17 years into a head coaching job. You know, he put uh, and a lot more than that into the university because he was an assistant. And to see him be rewarded, uh, to be able to go back where he's from and obviously financially rewarded and all that, I felt good for him. I felt he deserved it. That was my first reaction. That's honest. And my second reaction was I'm going to miss those battles. You know, I, mm. I, I love the challenge and – 
I'm telling you, coaching against those Wofford teams have been unbelievable challenges for my mind uh, and for our teams and, and the way that I think about basketball. And I'm going I'm to miss that. Um, but if it helps us win a game next year, I'm all for it. So I don't know if that's the case or not, but I'll say anything that gives us an edge to win a game, I'm all for that. So if you guys think that, then I'll, I'll go along with it. <laughs> Wes Miller's with us here, UNC Greensboro basketball coach. What do you view as the next step, the next stage in the progression of Spartan basketball under your leadership and ultimately getting where you want to go? Well, I'm going to give you guys the, the, the answer to that, and you guys are going to hate it. Then I'll answer it the way you guys want it to be answered. <laughs> but my answer is the next step is tomorrow. I mean, I, like, we, we, don't, we don't want to spend too much time thinking about where we're supposed to be a year from now or next season. We can only control how we approach it tomorrow, and hopefully we had the right approach today. But we got to get better tomorrow, and everybody goes probably rolling their eyes thinking that's just coach speak. But we're, we're trying to approach it one day at a time. And you have I, great I really self-awareness, coach. It, yeah, well, if we if we can embrace that, then we're going to give ourselves the best chance for whatever our ceiling is. Um, but I, you know, I, I think listen, we're, we're like everybody. We want to win the Southern Conference. We want to play the NCAA tournament. We're not shy about saying that. Um, the next step is to be a program that gets there every year, uh, or, or at least is in the conversation every year. We we were there two years ago. We were in the conversation this year and close. You know, I think we got to be a, a program that consistently competes for championships. That's a, a mainstay, or at least in and around the the NCAA tournament, and that's the direction we want our program going. Uh, but but we don't spend a lot of time thinking and talking like that. I, I will be honest. We, we love this guy, Wes Miller, UNC Greensboro basketball coach, with us here on The Drive. We're broadcasting live from Greensboro. Um, when you fall short of the NCAA tournament, being the first team out of the field, how much do other coaches reach out to you? You know, co- coaching is a small network and a small fraternity. Um, so you'd be surprised whether it's something like that. And I had a ton of buddies reach out, a uh, ton, of, ton of coaches and friends and People I've worked with and people I played for all reached out that night. Uh, but it, you'd be amazed whether it's a big win or a tough loss. You get those texts all the time. So that that's pretty that's pretty common in college basketball. At least it is for me. Ross Martin of Inside Carolina with us here as well. We're chatting with Wes Miller, who is the great coach at UNC Greensboro. Once upon a time was a Tar Heel. What do you got, Ross? Yeah, what's up, Wes? Ross, Inside Carolina here. You were on featured on our front page of our website this uh, week with the long-form story we did on um, the roommates on Carolina Avenue, the, the Danny Green, Tyler Hanser, Bobby Frazier, Marcus Skinner. So you were in one of the photos. Did you happen to see that photo? I, I didn't, but you're bringing back. Story. This is going to be interesting if we start talking about those guys on Carolina yeah. Avenue. Well, it's a great long-form. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of where I'm heading. It's a great story. You should check it out. It's a great story we have on the front page inside Carolina. But, uh, it kind of opened with the story of Hansborough and that crew, uh, Marcus Skinnerd and Bobby Frazier jumping off the SAE balcony a- after the 2008 <laughs> season. So that's one story. And I wanted to get uh, maybe another story you could give us on Hansborough because I think it's a, such an interesting player in UNC history, but a, a guy not many people know about because he was so quiet and, and wasn't kind of the – and he's such a – you know, he's one of the best players ever in UNC history. So what can you tell us about uh, – about Tyler, I know you still talk to him. I know you'll play golf a lot, all that good stuff. So, what can you what can you tell us and the, and the listeners yeah. right now about Tyler? A story I, I, or wish, like that? I wish he was. I wish he was listening, Ross, so I could really embarrass him. Like not just 
embarrassing to everybody listening, but embarrassing with him listening. Um, but no, he listen. You're so right about Tyler. His personality is incredible. He's one of the funniest people in my life. I mean, we have a, a great text chain, um, and all the guys you mentioned on that story are on the text chain. It's about six or seven of us that were really close um, when we were playing, and we, we're still really close. We take a vacation together every summer. And on that text chain, usually about once a day, Tyler types some kind of line that just makes everybody die laughing. So I, I look forward to that every day to see where he's coming from. Now, the, the other thing is right now, he, you know, he's played in China this year, but, you know, we all have jobs. Like, we all have things to do. Who, who the heck knows what Tyler's doing? He's got time to think of funny jokes to text us all day. But best story, I, I don't know if I have any, any appropriate stories uh, that I'm, that I'm going to tell. Uh, but I will say this. He's really gotten into golf, as you mentioned, and Tyler's yeah. an obsessive, compulsive type of personality. If he decides he wants to be good at something – his work ethic is incredible, and that's pretty well documented with basketball. But he started to take that into golf. He's also incredibly competitive in everything, whether it was like not just hoops, whether it was ping pong or whatever it was in college. He's like one of the more competitive people. Um, I did beat him in ping pong a lot too, I'll say that. But the on the golf course, he got into it last summer, and he came up to Greensboro twice. And I just want to make sure the record's clear. I have cleaned him up. Every time we play golf, whether it's here in Greensboro or back in Chapel Hill, and I can't wait to do it again this summer. And I hope he finds a way to listen to this because the, the trash talk is real between us. But I think it also goes into to how good of friends we all still are. And that's such a neat thing, right, that we were all in college together. We all played together. And, you know, 10, 12, 14 years later, you know, those those relationships are even stronger. But we do like to talk a lot of trash to each other, too. Hurt. Person by person, we are learning, visit by visit, who is on this group text chain. We were visiting with Marvin Williams a couple weeks ago, the day he was facing the Lakers. He said he spoke about this text chain that everybody is on here. And Tyler Hansbrough, can you reveal the rest of the people who are on Whoa. this text chain? Oh, well, that's a different one. There's, there's yeah, you, a couple. Oh, ones. there's multiple ones. There's a, there's a Carolina family one, and then I feel you're on a separate one, right? With those guys, uh, yeah, so I'm on that one too, um, the Carolina yeah. family one, and then which is that's that's really cool, guys. Cause that's How many text everybody. chains are there? And then there's what? one of like those group of guys that Ross was mentioning, and a handful of other guys. And I, I'd imagine and Dewey's on that one too, Dewey Burke. Yeah, Dewey's on that. Eric yeah. Coots, uh, okay. you know, Marcus, Tyler, Bob. It's a it's a cool group, and, and that group we take a vacation together every every year in June, it, it, usually around some golf. So. Um, yeah, it's cool. It, it's really, it's really cool that that connection is there, and that speaks to you know what Carolina basketball is all about. That it's much bigger than just the time you spend there playing. Wes, thank you so much for doing this. Congratulations on a great year. We'll be talking sometime soon, I'm sure. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. You got it. That's Wes Miller, the head coach of UNCG, and some great stories. Yeah, we have Dewey Burke on our podcast. He's our he's our one of our podcasts like hosts essentially. And we had him on after the Carolina family reunion, the big reunion that was in August. Mm-hmm. And he told us about the Tyler Hansborough Invitational Golf Tournament, first annual they had, they had that weekend. And so I knew of, uh, of, of their relationship Gosh. and stuff. And, uh, I mean, I suggest you all go read it, InsideCarolina.com, a great long-form story. It take about 25, 20 minutes to read it about those four, the recruiting class you mentioned, 2005, 6 recruiting Ginyard. class. 
Green, Hansborough, and Frazier, and Frazier. Who eventually, you know, they lost in the Final Four in 2008, got back in 2009, and, and swept through the tournament, beating Michigan State in the championship mm-hmm. game. Um, it was a cool story about their relationship and their time at USC. I haven't thought about Tyler Hansborough jumping from that balcony yeah. at SAU. I was SAD there. It was a, crazy. You, were, you yeah, were there when that happened? I was in school with all them, yeah. Is there anything you can add additional to Tyler Hansborough jumping off that well, balcony? I'm how, re- how tall was it? Uh, it's, I mean, it was an above-ground pool that was its last day of classes, so it's, it's late April before exams start. It's beautiful. There's girls everywhere. It's in the fraternity court, which is five fraternity houses, and it's a uh, maybe seven to eight-foot above-ground pool. Who knows what's in there? There's tons of beer. You know, who knows what went on there at night? And uh, Bobby, Marcus, and Tyler jumped off of it. It's, I mean, it was probably a 30, nah, 35, 40-foot Jump. That's not 30, 35 feet. Well, it's the second floor. No, so like 20 feet maybe. That's a pretty That's a pretty big jump, Des. Yeah. I, I think that's pretty big. And no one said uh, – Bobby always said like it would never have been a big deal unless Tyler did it. Because Tyler was the reigning most valuable player, most first-team All-American national player of the year. They just lost the Final Four, and he jumped, and it was on PTI the next day. Yeah. Wow. And it was a huge deal. I remember all of that. And that was the yeah. 2008 loss in the Final Four to Kansas uh, where they were down 40-12. Yeah, that. And that's kind of yep. where my, my Billy Packer obsession kind of began too. So. And then Roy Williams shows up at the next game with, with the, the Kansas, Kansas sticker. sticker. Yeah, yeah, did Billy Packer say, like, it's over? Yep. And then, like, they the came first, back and, like. Yeah, they did. <laughs> and they're, like, they, the first half. <laughs> Des, Des hates Billy Packer because he said that. I'm not sure if it's hate. It's more of a. You said, and I quote, I hate Billy Packer. I've come off of that, that a little bit. I've backed off the ledge a bit. I, 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 I don't. Mm, He's backing off because we're going to get Billy Packer yeah, on the show the, in the next couple weeks. He's scared of Billy Packer. Business. What is he like? 80? It's like when we had Dick Vitale on a couple, like uh, like a month or two ago. Like he, he's talking all this nonsense about Dick Vitale, and then I said, "Hey, we're going to have Dick Vitale on the show later in the week." And yeah, I, 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 that was one of the more interesting conversations. That wasn't had. nonsense. That was fact. What that Dick Vitale is a Duke Homer? Yeah, the guy who gets paid to cover college sports and all the teams it's actually, in fact, secretly roots for one of them. Pretty sad. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Coming up, Tar Heels, Magic Johnson, and tipping. This is the Sports Hub. You're on the drive.